Welcome back, everybody, to the Girl Hockey Dad podcast. It has been a busy week, and I apologize to everybody that this is most certainly the fourth episode, and we skipped a week. I'm doing my best to make this a weekly event. Uh, It was a very uh, hockey-heavy couple weeks, some tournaments, and of course I'll get into those tournaments and results in the next little bit here, but... I wanted to start out by just saying thanks. We've had a lot of feedback in the last week, two weeks. Yeah, it's awesome. I really appreciate all the kind words, and I'm doing my best here. This is this is fun for me. I really enjoy it. I love talking hockey. I'm around rinks constantly. I love chatting with people about their feelings about minor hockey and the OW and everything that's going on. So this is this is fun for me. I am... I got to say to you parents, I really appreciate that you are listening to some of these episodes with your kids and the kids are coming to me uh, talking about it, which is cool. Uh, Definitely embarrassing at times. It's very new and hard to (laughs) hard to stomach at times. I'm, you know, I'm an on ice coach and I will definitely take some ribbing. I will be made fun of and I am fine with it. That's, uh, (laughs) that's, (laughs) that's the fun part of all of this. So I just wanted to get into, I wanted to do a quick recap. Uh, This is going to be a a shorter episode for sure, Uh, but I did want to get into a recap about some things that I said in the last last episode about U16 and uh, the numbers comparison that I did between uh, the OMHA and the OWHA. I did a comparison of U15 uh, boys and U15 girls, and the reality is the numbers with uh, girls with U15 are a it's a it's a double year right you've got the uh, 13 and 14 year olds in it so when we were talking about total registrations and team numbers and everything else i would have had to take into account two years of boys so the U14 U15 and at the end of the day there is higher registration and there are more teams on the boys side and that's you know I made a comment about it being way more on the girl side, and that's that's not fair. So I want to make sure that I, I apologize that my interpretation of the numbers were off there. However, that's only one point about the requirement or the, uh, what feels like a need for U16 in girls hockey. Just this weekend and over the last week, some of the conversations that I've been having about U16 and about what's happening between U15 and U18 right now, it really backs up what we've been talking about. The, just to just to double down on the comments and then I'm going to move past this and I hope in the future I can have a conversation with somebody from the OWHA uh, and maybe even Hockey Canada about why this isn't a thing or why it may happen in the future. I would love to hear that it's in the works. That would be amazing. Just have a quick conversation with anybody who is a major right now in U15 that is going U18. There are not a lot of spots for tier one players, girls who are currently playing tier one in in Ontario. What do you do if you're a minor and you're going into a U18 team in in a center that has two or three majors in that U18 program that are gonna graduate out? There are no spots. And it's it's not safe to assume that every center has a properly functioning U18 tiered system. So there's maybe not enough room on the U18 team in the in the next season, but maybe there's not enough space at the tier one level, uh, 18AA, but there is space at the U18A level. So players can go in their minor year and start to get experience at that U18 level and develop 
and then gain a spot on the U18 AA team. I can't say for sure that that's the plan across minor hockey in Ontario. Not every center looks at it that way. I, I would hope that that is. I know that parents feel, again, I'm, I'm close to this, so I know that parents feel that it's not guaranteed. The number of times I talk to people, especially after the U16 episode, to say, what happens if my kid doesn't go U18 AA in the minor year? If they, they don't go straight into the Tier 1 program, are they just going to get locked into, in, into single A Tier 2 forever and they're not going to get a chance to grow and move up? I, again, this is this is on the outside looking in, but something for associations to know. It's maybe time to have a talk with the coaching staff and with the the associations and start to get it out there that there is a plan for development. That'll stop some of this uh, stress of center jumping that's happening. Again, going to the episode with Katie Mora, it's not a shot to anybody that does leave centers or move centers. You have to do what's best for your family, but. Some of the center moving happens because they feel there's no space for their kid to develop. So we really do need to address that. And it feels possible. It feels like we can have that conversation and, and, and get it out there from the coaching staff, from the associations to the parents and start to understand that maybe your kid doesn't get a spot on the 18 AA team, but stay patient, get in at the 18A, develop and see where this thing goes. Anyways, I'm not going to talk more about that. I've probably already beaten it to death. I am still trying to get an interview with the OWHA and see if we can get more information. So we'll see when and if that happens. I'll let everybody know. It was a solid two weeks off, but there was a lot going on in the meantime. There was a couple of big tournaments. There was the Two Nations College Prep in Detroit and the Buffalo Inferno put on by Rush. In the Two Nations Cup, the 13AA division... The Markham Stouffville Stars won gold over the Chicago Mission 2-1. In the 14U category, the Madison Capitals won gold over the Barry Sharks 3-2. In the U15 division, it was the Waterloo Ravens over the Oakville Hornets 5-1. And in the U18 division, it was the Stratford Aces over the North Halton Twisters 3-1. Then into the Buffalo Inferno. In the 14U Tier 1 it was the Stratford Aces over the Guelph Griffins, 3-0 in the final. And in the 19U Tier 1 division, it was the Rice Prep Knights over the Niagara Rapids. I'm not going to lie, the websites for both of those tournaments were a little bit confusing. Otherwise, I'd have uh, talked a little bit more about more of the scores. Then, just to touch on PWHL news, there's a ton going on right now. It's best, honestly, if you get on... <laughs> This week, I'm just going to say it's best if you jump on the website or to Instagram, jump on the PWHL official or PWHL report on IG, and you can follow all of the signings right now. There's a ton of the uh, preliminary free agent signings that were going on that have signed one-year, two-year, three-year contracts. The training camps will be starting in the middle of November, and just a couple hours ago, I heard they're probably going to be announcing the venues this week, actually. So that's super exciting. I know there's a ton going on right now. There's more tournaments coming this weekend. I will figure out a format that I like that we can stop and talk about this. Maybe even a shorter, small episode during the week just to talk about tournament results. Maybe even a shorter segment during the week that I could talk about just tournament results and, I don't know, other things going on inside the OWHA and around minor hockey. Let me know what you think about that idea. Okay, so what I wanted to talk about this week 
is goalie development. I follow a lot of goalie training facilities as I do have a goalie daughter. I, I spend a lot of time in goalie development or, or at training facilities and I follow a lot of these guys online on Instagram or whatever. A common thread is that minor hockey in Canada, I think some of these guys, and I can't make this claim, but some of these guys make the claim that minor hockey in general is failing the development of goaltenders. And I have experienced this firsthand currently, or my daughter is currently in a situation where the center is doing a fantastic job of trying to develop her and seeing seeing development for other goalies or giving more opportunities. Here's the crux, here's the, the base for what we're going to talk about. On a team, and maybe players have seen this, but you go to a practice, let's say you have two or three practices a week, and you get out there and the coaches put together all these drills and the goalies go out. For the majority of these drills, the goalies are just, you could literally have a shooter tutor in the net. It's just puck, 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 constant shots. A lot of the times, if you see younger goalies in these practices, they don't really know what to do. They don't know where to move. They're, they're taking one of every four shots or they're getting two shots at a time and, and it's, it's chaotic. That's not a, a positive way for a goalie to develop any of their skills. So that's just a practice. And some centers and a lot of centers now may have a goalie coach that comes on ice and works with the, uh, works with just the goalies, say one day a week. And let's say you are playing tier one. So you've got an hour and a half practice. And for 45 minutes of that, 50 minutes of that, the two goalies have the one goalie coach and they work just on their own with them. And that's what they get. Then you go to games, goalie gets warm up, you decide who's playing. There's one of two. Hopefully you have two goalies. And they take some shots, get the game going. In between periods, they come out for a bit of water. Maybe the coach says something to the goalie. Maybe the assistant coach says something to the goalie. At the end of the day, the person who knows the most about how that goalie played or how many shots or any of those things is most likely the goalie parent. Because you're focused on one player. You're focused on how that one player did during the game and what they've experienced and most I'm speaking for myself here but most goalie parents aren't looking at what everybody else is doing on the ice they're looking at what their player is doing and sure you can have comments about support and this and that and the other thing but at the end of the day you're looking at what your own kid's doing so what I'm what I'm with all that in mind I think most people would say that's generally the experience and you can, and you can twist or you can sorry, add or subtract some things in there. And maybe there's some centers that have uh, a dad on the team or one of the parents in the parent group who played net and wants to offer some of their expertise or, or this or that, or the family goes out and gets some additional training here and there. The best thing that I've heard in the last little bit is that there are centers that are offering to goalie parents external training they're giving them a budget for that external training to give them a leg up to get some specified time for just their kid and that's awesome but not everybody's offering it you have a huge shortage of goalies most people know that there is not an overwhelming amount of players out there to play the position well why would you what's the incentive for kids to really get into it i mean i i've spoke to many other goalie parents whose kid, you know, first straps on the pads when 
they're cycling through in U9 or in novice or whatever. And it's everybody takes their turn and something just clicks. Like the kid loves that. And that's awesome. And we want to do whatever we can to foster the growth of our kids. But now look at it from a, look at it from the level of the center that you play for. What are they doing? I think, I think if you have kids looking to play in different centers or in different teams right now as a goalie, one of the best things you can hear is we have a, a player, sorry, we have a coach on the bench that is dedicated to working with the goalie in practices and games, positive and constructive feedback, ways to help that goalie grow. That's the best case scenario. That center then is going to draw more goalies in to want to develop. You may then find that you have two goalies at each level and that they're growing and developing and getting better and then getting called up to practices and getting called up to games. It's a very taxing position. And I don't believe enough attention has been paid to the finer aspects of it. I don't know how many teams have a dad who played in the 80s or in the 90s or whatever, and I'm not I'm not disparaging any of that. It's great that people want to help. But at the end of the day, just like every other position on the ice, it is constantly evolving. And there are goalie schools out there that are teaching. You've got DeHaan, you've got Matt Smith, you've got um, James Prigioni in Guelph. Like I, I'm, I'm just speaking in our area, and I apologize if you're out there. Um, and I'll maybe put some links to some some local ones that I really like. And if you're out there, you know, send us your link, whatever. But these associations really need to start building partnerships if they can and get specific goalie training. Think about how much better the development would be for the goalies and how much more those goalie parents like you've you've all seen and I know this but I, I I saw it in the past and I never understood why they did this but uh my my goalie my fellow goalie dads out there and goalie moms that are going to be listening to this are going to laugh but I always wondered why they stayed or sit off to their to themselves they during games they don't want to be near other people they're either down at the glass or up in the stands hiding in the corner and the reason is is incredibly it's an incredibly stressful position to watch your kid play and you you worry about how they're doing and how they're feeling and all these things. One of the craziest things that I've learned in the last two years or a year and a half is when I watch my, my daughter interact with her goalie coach and there's sometimes 10 or 15 minutes that are just spent talking, talking through, how are you feeling about this? How are you feeling about that? I never really appreciated the value in that until she started to get more comfortable and learn how to speak with her coach and speak with her goalie coach or speak with her team coach or club coach about how she was feeling or struggles that she was having and things that she wanted to work on. That's a huge component of the game. And if you're just getting put out for, for practice and for games and it's just, is it a win or is it a loss? How many goals were let in? That's, that's the marker. That can't be the marker if you want to see positive development in goalies. The more I talk about this with other goalie parents, I think they see it the same way. And there's a tremendous amount of money spent by parents to try and get additional development for those goaltenders. I'm not saying it has to be or should be the, I mean, it's, it's the parents' willingness to, to, to help their kid develop. And I'm not saying that it should necessarily be born or be the responsibility of every association. It would be incredible to see development of a plan and the introduction of more specifics around this is what we're going to do. This is how we want to see them grow and not just have it be because it's a really good coach that year. 
but because it's the basis of that association, it's their plan, and that's what you can expect. That would be incredible. I mean, our goalies need more attention, and I don't know. I don't know many people that would argue that. At the end of the day, any kind of plan put in place for specific goaltender development in an association is going to benefit everybody. It's it's one of those things that, you know, what I would love to see in this case, some associations reach out. And say, no, we do. We do have these things in place. Or this is how we're running things and we're having a lot of success. I I feel like, and I don't know that this is completely true. This is a, this is a feeling statement which holds no water at all. But it feels like you have... You're, you're just hoping that, that you're going to get girls into the system that really want to play and have already developed it or are out there doing it all on their own. That That'll work for a little while, but I, I can't... Personally, I've, I've experienced in the last three years teams that have had one goalie. That can be scary. I mean, that that's a lot of workload for one family or for one kid to bear. And what if someone gets hurt? It's a it's a really dicey way to run things. Anyways, so again, if you've got single single goalies on teams, that's a pretty good indicator that there's not many of them out there. And then you're seeing them center shift like everybody else does. So again, that's why we're having this conversation right now. The second part of why we're having this conversation is I'm about to have a great conversation with a goalie. There's a hint for the next episode. So let's end it there for this week. I know I ran on a little bit there about uh, my feelings and my opinions about goaltending, but I'm sure there's a lot of you out there that have your own feelings and opinions, and I would love for you to share them. Jump on Instagram, leave a comment, send us a DM. I would love to have more conversations. I would love to hear everybody's opinion. So I'll be wrapping up next week's episode in the next couple of days. Have a great week, and I'll see you around the rink.